0: NNF After Dark is brought to you by Sandpiper Vacations. For all of your vacation planning needs, visit www.sandpipervacations.com. Tell them that the No New Friends podcast sent you.
1: Welcome to NNF After Dark. Chris is going to take you through the highlights of the previous episode and maybe
0: even say some bad words, plus celebrity interviews and much, much more. And now, here he is, the scumbag reselling hoarder himself, Chris Yaw! Well, I'm not Chris Yob, but uh, I am Scott. Chris is in Germany right now, and this is NNF After Dark, or During Dark, or Before Dark, or whatever the hell Chris says. Uh, But I'm Scott from the New New Friends Podcast, and I am joined this week, not by Nick, not by Chris, but by Game Master Ryan and the sophisticated gentleman. Guys, how are you this evening?
1: Good, thank you for that short intro.
0: yeah this doesn't seem like an episode of after dark like i feel like i should be going on and on and on uh but you know i've been doing this a lot longer than chris so some would say i'm better uh i don't know some might uh my wife would not uh so yeah so many things there alex cut that out so uh, we've got uh, an exciting interview coming up. Um, And that's really all we're going to have time for tonight because it's a a longer interview and I didn't want to cut it. It is amazing with Eddie Deason. Now, uh, sophisticated gentleman, did you know who Eddie Deason was
2: before this interview? I did. I'm a big fan of his even before I knew you guys were having him on. So remember when you first announced in our Discord, which folks can join by going to your Patreon to officially join and become a member for as low as $2 a month. So in that Discord chat, you actually posted about Eddie Deeds and I was blown away. You know, I grew up with the Polar Express. I remember watching Midnight uh, Madness. And so excellent, excellent film actor, very memorable, very iconic voice. And I was blown away that he was somebody that you guys were interviewing.
0: Yeah, it, it was funny because I only know him from Greece and the Polar Express uh, i i didn't know all the, uh, the you know kim possible and and i didn't know what uh what was it dexter's lab i i didn't know that show um and i mean this guy's iconic he's he's done so much uh i mean he's the, the voice of mandark in uh in dexter's laboratory uh,
1: game master Ryan, did you know who who he was i knew who he was from polar express but i hate that movie uh but i knew who he was cuz he was very annoying in it which he was supposed to be. Um, I I didn't really know who he was too much before the interview. But now, after the interview, I'm probably his biggest fan.
2: Like, Uh, he is amazing. I gotta ask, Ryan, you said he was annoying in Polar Express. Did you base Jersey Man Florida Man after him?
1: Oh, thank you. I'm just (laughs) kidding. I'm (laughs) kidding. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, good one.
0: (laughs) so what's what's really cool is is we had been setting up this interview for a while. Um, he's good friends with uh, well, he's roommates with uh, with Steve who does our our PR work and gets us all these really cool interviews. And we had to postpone once and all that. but I, I spoke to him on the phone. nicest guy I have I mean, what you guys hear in this interview, that's him. That's him. You know, when I told him, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm speaking to a vocal legend right now," because he sounds like, especially when he gets on the phone, he sounds like the Know It All Kid. And I talk about why Polar Express is so important to me in the episode, but he he was just so nice, and he's like, "Oh, that's so nice of you. Thank you so much." And he sound he sounds just like the kid. And when I started to learn a little bit about him. And these crazy stories that he has, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be gold, much like the Jeremy Miller interview, but in a, in a complete reverse way, like this is just nothing but comedy and jeremy miller it was like i knew it was gonna be good uh because i know who he is and i thought it was gonna be a lot of fan service and all that but then jeremy miller took us down this very real road and really that jeremy miller interview i think is what shaped after dark to be what it is today where we take kind of a a serious look at things because of that jeremy miller so this is eddie Deason in the opposite way was more than what we bargained for it's such a fantastic a, a lot of the comments are top three interview of all time on any podcast oh, yeah. which i'm blown away by that comment uh and i'm not saying that to brag um but it it's a fan i cannot wait for you guys to hear it i also so if you google eddie deason he ran into some legal trouble uh you know and in articles love to say Grease star arrested and he talks about that, which I thought was really cool uh, for him to be honest. And and it's funny when we were going through this interview, someone messaged like, "Hey, have you googled uh, Eddie Deason to, to 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 see what happens and all that, or, or or what he went through?" And I said, "Well, I'm sure that there's a, an explanation." And and Steve and Eddie were so great because I asked them on the phone. I was like, "Can we talk about this?" And they're like, "Yeah, absolutely." Um, so. Eddie I know you're going to be listening to this interview or this this episode so thank you so much for being so transparent and just so goddamn funny uh because by far one of the best interviews that I've ever been a part of and I can't wait to for everybody to hear it um other highlights for you guys come from this interview coming up but just a tip you can't give the oh, God, everything the away. makeout
1: story was really good
2: the makeout story the makeout like, he's story he's an
1: open book about everything and I love that about
2: him hmm. Yeah, I absolutely I don't think... loved his energy, too. Uh, <sighs> and there was a moment in the interview where I started doing some Googling on him and I found some interesting information that I wasn't aware of. And I started texting Chris about it. And it was really cool to hear Eddie talk about that. But the biggest thing for me is just how much he likes to use people's first names, which I'll talk more about that in the interview. And I absolutely loved hearing about that. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah such a great guy and we're going to put, we're going to put his link on cameo because he does a lot of stuff on cameo where he'll send you a message. Uh He'll do the man dark laugh. Uh He'll talk like the, uh, the know-it-all kid. So it, it's 30 bucks for a video on cameo. Uh, I mean, like, if your kids or, or your family members or someone loves Polar Express, I mean, what a great gift for the holidays. Uh, and we'll, if you just if you go to cameo.com and search Eddie Deason, he pops right up, but we'll also put his link in the episode description. Uh, support him. Um, and listen, she was, he's, he's, he's less expensive on Cameo than the cute girl that I had to do the intro, uh, you know, a couple episodes ago that we don't use anymore. Uh, but, Please support Eddie in, in on Cameo. It it it's worth the 30 bucks. But without further ado, enjoy after the break the Eddie Dean interview.
3: There are 3 things that I hate in life: taxes, nausea, and booking vacations. The first two I'm stuck with, but for the third, I use Sandpiper Vacations. Sandpiper Vacations is a small business that is LGBTQ plus owned and operated with travel advisors all over the country. Whether it's a cruise, a trip to a theme park, or an all-inclusive resort, Sandpiper has you covered. Oh, and I forgot to mention, it's free. Why book a vacation when you can have someone else do it for you? That's like choosing to take the stairs on a building that has an elevator. Leave the headaches of booking a vacation to someone else. Get your quote today at www.sandpipervacations.com and tell them that the No New Friends podcast sent you.
0: Hey, everybody, it's Scott from the No New Friends podcast. If you'd like to hear all of our episodes, all of our past episodes, just visit our website, nonewfriendspodcast.com. All of our links to all of our old episodes are there. If you didn't understand an inside joke or just wanted to re-listen to something, just check it out. It's nonewfriendspodcast.com, or you can check us out on all streaming platforms. Back to the no new friends podcast we are joined by an extremely special guest uh we've been talking well we've been lining this interview up for a while i'm so excited uh you've seen him in in greece and greece 2 uh and you've heard his voice in the polar express as the know-it-all kid and, and there's so many other credits too which we're going to get into but i we're joined by eddie dees and eddie how are you this evening
4: great it's so nice to be on your show chris thank you so much thank you uh sarah and thank you Oh, geez, I forget. Is it, what's the first man's name? I'm Scott, Scott,
0: the most Scott, important Scott, one. <laughs> Scott, Chris, Scott
4: we'll okay, just give the show to Chris. Through. The idiot forgot. Okay. Hi, Chris, fine. i Hi, Thank you for having me on your show. It's my thanks pleasure. For,
0: thanks for being on. And, uh, um, and I'll edit the part about all the voices and all that. Um, yes, yeah, so
4: and edit the part where I forget your names like a schmuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part.
0: Yes. They forget my names on a, on a regular basis. It's fine.
4: Well, I, I do that all the time. You're, you're three very nice, wonderful people. And I, I do that with waiters in a restaurant. I will, I'll forget all the time. I'll forget who my waiter was. I have. I'm 66. I'm at the age where I can remember the earliest memories. I can remember walking the first time. I can remember being fed in my crib. I can remember being toilet trained, literally my earliest memories. But I will be in a restaurant and I will forget my waiter. And I'll forget something to go, did I just say that? I forget these real close memories, but I can go way back easy. I remember all my memories from kindergarten, you know, all those early memories I remember.
0: Wow. Sarah does not remember a whole lot either, but that's more like weed induced. Oh, Um. no. (laughs) So, Eddie, where did where did your career start? Tell me how you got into acting and voiceovers and stuff. Okay, I'll tell you the story that got me started off. I'll tell you a, a weird
4: story. And this story, I'll tell you a story that changed my life for $1. My entire life was changed because of $1. Okay, I was, I was born in 1957. I was born March 6, 1957. I was graduated in 1975. And I knew I wanted to be a comedian. So I was planning around my junior year. I'm going to go out of high school. I'm going to go to New York and be a comedian. You know, you go to either New York or L.A. But I'm in Maryland. So, of course, New York's closer. I'm going to go to New York and start my career. So the summer of 74, my family and I, we go on a vacation in New York City. And, you know, I was exhilarated. Have you been to New York?
0: i have i
4: have yeah, it's, it's exhilarating you know. The, the great restaurants the, the people you know just the thrill the crowds the shops the shopping it's so much fun and i was caught up and i was exhilarated i went to see the marx brothers movie had been re-released animal crackers and i went there four days in a row at the rialto i was in heaven you know seeing the marx brothers on the big screen i was so happy i had a joyous time so i'm with my parents when i go. i'm gonna go out for a walk and I, I was like i was 17 i probably weighed about 105 pounds i was skinny as a straw you know so i'm gonna take a walk so i went out alone without my family for the first time. so i'm walking on the streets taking New York in this guy stops me on the street he goes hey you gave me a dollar for change a dollar for change okay so I get a dollar bill and I give him a dollar so the guy just stands there I go where's my change he goes you didn't give me no dollar I go yes I did I gave you a dollar where's my change he goes you didn't give me no dollar I go, sir, I gave you that. And we went back and and finally it dawned on me. I realized I'm being hustled. I grew up in a little town called Cumberland, Maryland, and we didn't have hustlers like that. This guy was a street hustler. He's a con man. I've never met a guy like that. He (laughs) ripped me out of my mind. Now, this guy was a big strapping guy. Obviously, I can't physically fight him. I can't do anything. He's got my dollar and I know this guy's got me. So, you know, I, I just let it go. And I went to the crowd. My, my legs were like shaky. This is the first time I've been cheated, even though it was only a dollar. Anyway, I get back to my room and I go, I hate New York. I go, this city's a crap. <laughs> hole. Go, I'm never going to come back. And I said, I'm not going to come back. So I changed my career plans. And instead, the next year I went to LA. If that guy hadn't cheated me out of that dollar, I would have gone to New York. I probably would have never worked. You know, I would have never gotten the moves. Wow. I would have never got grease. So the guy changed my whole life around because he cheated me out of a dollar. Wow. That's so he, he might still be alive, this jerk. I don't know whatever happened to him. <laughs> (laughs) 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 but anyway to answer your question i i went to la okay then 75 i came to la the 1975 the summer 76 i started out the comedy story the stand-up comic and i did i performed twice in the one in la and these are the days you know i saw jimmy walker there who's big me and when i came out the three big comics were jimmy walker gabe kaplan and freddie prinz and I saw Jimmy Walker live and I performed at the comedy store twice. I got good applause, good laughs. So Mitzi, the owner of the comedy store goes, why don't you go to Westwood? You're a good comedian. Go to Westwood. So I went to the comedy store in Westwood and I tanked. I went there and it was like crickets. You know, I did all my jokes. Hi, this is, my name's Eddie Deason. And applause, applause, applause. Go, sure, but we respect me in the morning? That was my opening joke. <laughs> Dead silence. Crickets died. And I said, I hate doing stand up. I didn't want. So anyway. About November of that year. Do you guys remember the old gong show with Chuck Barris?
0: Yeah, yeah.
4: Okay. My TV debut was on the gong show with Chuck Barris. Wow. They had open auditions in Hollywood. Yeah, and I got on the gong show. I did my routine. I was gong. You know, Sarah, if you don't know it, it was like a talent show. It's like America's Got Talent. You'd be on it. The celebrities didn't like it. They would gong you with a big gong.
1: I think so I, I actually dance. have heard of this. Yeah, now yeah, it's can, coming back. It on
4: YouTube. Yeah, you can, my episodes, I, we can't find it, but you can see the show on YouTube. I they did a gong show movie. But I did it, and Paul Williams, the singer, gong me. And so I didn't win, but I won uh, a waffle iron. They gave me a waffle iron as a consolation <laughs> prize. That was my prize. And anyway, uh, later, uh, Paul Williams gonged me, okay? So this is like 30 year, thirty or 40 years later. I'm at an audition. Who's there? Paul Williams is sitting there. So I go, over, I go, Mr. Williams, hi, I'm Eddie Deason. I don't know if you remember, but you gong me on the gong show 30 years ago. He goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I go, Mr. Well, go, please, you got to forgive me. I go, Mr. Wims, it was a lark. It was a joke. I didn't take it serious. Please don't take it so serious. Of course I forgive you. He goes, you don't understand. He goes, I'm an Alcoholics Anonymous. He goes, we have to get the forgiveness of anybody we've hurt. So oh, I go, wow. Mr. Wimps, he didn't hurt me at all. But he was very, you know, very serious. It was really important to him. So I accepted his apology and he was very sincere and he apologized to me.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. He's oh, a very man. sweet guy. Very nice man. Yeah. So, how did uh, tell me about the the Greece audition and how that okay came, came to play? I, it, okay, this is I don't again.
4: This is a very religious story. I don't know if you guys are religious or secular. All three of you, it's, it's and it's none of my business. But take this how you want. Well, it's Sarah,
0: Sarah's relig- Sarah's Jewish. Uh, okay, oh, Shalom, um, Shalom, and uh, <laughs> Chris and I are unpra- non-practicing uh, Catholics
4: okay, I understand It's It's none of my business. I'm just saying religious people take so it. as a very religious story. Secular people say you're just lucky. It's a total coincidence, but this is the true story. I go into Greece. I went into my audition for Eugene. I dress up in like a Pee Wee Herman suit. You know, I had a little ice cream suit and I greased my hair and it was called grease. And I didn't know, Eugene, I didn't know, didn't have grease. The tough guys have Greece. Eugene didn't have Greece's hair, but I had vitalis and I put it in my hair and I rubbed it in a lot of grease because the movie's grease. Anyway, I went in, I auditioned and there were three guys there, the director, Randall Kleiser, the producer, Alan Carr and and the casting director mr joel thurm and while i was auditioning i had like three lines as eugene you know and they were nudging each other and i read my lines read again and they were nudging each other so i thought that was a good sign they were nudging each other they meant they liked me so anyway i went home about two days later my agent said they want you for greece you're hired so, of course, I'm over the moon. You know, I called my parents, my brother and sister, my friends in Cumberland, Maryland. Like, I'm in this movie with John Chamoulton, Olivia Newton. John's called Greece, blah, 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 blah. I went crazy. Anyway, about three days later, my agent calls me again. She goes, Eddie, I have bad news. They're going to write you out of Greece. They, they wow. decided Eugene's not an important character. He has a small role. So, you know, if they don't really need him. They're going to write you out of the movie. So I'm sorry. So, you know, I wanted to kill myself, of course. You know, oh, I thought wow. I'm going to come over and see you. She drives over and sees me. She goes, we're going to go to church and pray. I go, I'm Jewish. You know, He goes, come on, we're going to go to church. There's a church okay. that's still there. It's off Hollywood in Vermont in Hollywood. It's called Our Mother of Good Counsel Church. It's like halfway up there. There's a theater there, a movie theater right by it. But it's a church. You can still see it. But anyway, we went in the church. He goes, we're going to light candles. I'd never done this. We lit candles at the altar. We each She gave us a uh, mm-hmm. match. We each lit these candles. They had at an altar. And we prayed fervently. I prayed, you know, please let something good happen to me. God, please, God, let this go good. Anyway, I swear to God, about two days later, she gets called. Eddie, they called me. Call- they want you back in Greece. So they put me back in Greece. Now, yeah. again, religious people go, oh, the Lord was looking over you. That's a God-driven story. Secular people, my friends say, it's a total coincidence. You just lucked out. You just got a break. So take it however you want, but it's 100% true story. Wow. That's
0: crazy! Yes. Wow, yeah. incredible, very cool. So, was this was this Jewish church or a Christian church?
4: It's a Christian church.
0: Okay, all right. It's so, Christian Sarah, Sarah was God Goyam. is better than Jewish. Sarah God. and I
4: could say it was Goyim. Yeah, it's Graham Graham. church. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it is totally a Goyim church. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't think I think it's the first Christian church I've ever been into. I used to go to synagogue all the time when I was a kid. You know, we go every week, but yeah, that's, that's so once interesting. A week,
1: you know, twice a yeah. week, three times.
4: Right. And as you know, Sarah, this is, I, I think it's changed a little bit. It's come up a little bit more modernized. It is, it's a very, I'm not criticizing at all because it's not my place, but it was a very chauvinistic religion in that women were like lesser citizens. We would have what's called a minion and it was 10, you needed 10 men. If a woman came, she yep. didn't count. So I, you know, I would be dragged to minions. My sister got off the hook. She'd never have to go to minions because they didn't mean it. You could have a hundred women, but, and they didn't mean anything, but you had 10 men and that's a minion. So, yeah. an minion was a certain kind of service. Yeah, I want. Hmm. I, I think they might accept women now in a minion. Like it changed. They do
1: now. They do. Yeah. Now. Okay.
4: Okay. So they have become a little more enlightened.
0: Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. You you got to reprise your role of uh, of Eugene in Greece too, which is really cool. You know, to yeah. to be part of the sequel.
4: Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know how you guys feel about that. I, I didn't like Greece so I love Greece. Oh, it was terrible. It was terrible. No offense. It was terrible. Yeah, no I it was terrible. I <laughs> now I know. I know Scott and Chris and Sarah. I know that Greece, some people I, over the 45 years since tomorrow's our anniversary, tomorrow is Greece's 45th anniversary. Wow. Over the years, I would say I've met 20 people out of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds that love Greece. It's my all time favorite movie. I've watched it a 100 times, blah, 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 blah. Especially girls and women. They, mm-hmm. they just go crazy over That's
1: Greece. That's
4: me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I've met like maybe 20 people over the course of those years that say, I like Greece too better than Greece. And, you know, it, it's. No, there's no kind of taste. Wow. All things, you know, all art is subjective. You know, like I say, there's people that think the Sex pencils are better than the Beatles. You know, you can think blah blah blah. Joan Rivers is better than Groucho Marx or whatever because it's all subjective and they like it better than Greece to, than Greece. I always say the people that like Greece too better than Greece are like the people that like the Whiz better than the Wizard of Oz. It's like I mm-hmm. think it's that big of a divergence. Are you crazy? <laughs> Greece yeah. is. A, I think Greece, <laughs> the soundtrack, everything about. You know, when you have a classic like that, you have you have to have everything. The the direction. The acting, the choreography, you know, everything, everything about it. And Greece, everything fit in. All the songs were good. Everybody played their role well. It just was perfect. And, and Greece too, just didn't go anywhere. And I didn't like the music, although they were very nice people. Maxwell Caulfield was a super nice guy. I went on the set the first day. And Maxwell's there in his dressing room. And he goes, Eddie, would you like to come in? And, and we had tea and cookies as he's cookies and teas, a proper British guy. You know, we had tea and very <laughs> gentle. And I go, this movie is going to tank. I go, this is going to be on so bad. But, you know, Greece is like John Travolta, you know, in this leather coat strutting around. And I go, this can't, this guy can't do it. Even though he's a wonderful actor and the nicest guy in the world, nothing about him, it's just the character didn't fit him. He's a great dramatic actor, but he doesn't belong in a Grease movie, you know. Now Michelle, maybe Michelle's like this bombshell. She could have done now. Michelle Pfeiffer only talked to one time. I met her on the set and she was like Marilyn Monroe Beauty. She was like, knock you off your out of your socks, beautiful. And I went up to her like in a day. I go, I go like an idiot. I go, you're beautiful. And she goes, Thank you. That was the only time I talked to her. (laughs) I was like, I was mesmerized. She was just so (laughs) drop dead gorgeous
3: now eddie you talked about the 45th anniversary of greece there's also a very another very important 45th anniversary coming up can you tell me oh, what that
4: was that um don't tell me 45th anniversary was that um not i want to hold your hand yes i want to hold, oh, hold your hand of course. Yeah. yes yeah. i want to yeah. hold your
3: hand which was yeah. a uh, which of course was about the
4: uh, first film yep robert Three... next my favorite director's first film and the first film steven spielberg ever produced really didn't, didn't know that yes. I, yeah that's a true story and it is it i play myself i'm a beatles nut i'm a rabid beatles fan i don't know if you guys have seen it but it's where we're all it's the story of seven teenagers go to see the beatles on the ed sullivan show in 1964 now
3: eddie where were and you from where were you from
4: i'm from maryland, come no, no, from no, no, maryland in the movie
3: so in the movie oh
4: the i'm movie. sorry i'm from uh uh i, I don't remember we're from uh, the, new the jersey gra- i think yes the greatest state yeah. in america thank you oh okay no chris is that. from new jersey you'll jersey. have
0: to jackie excuse gleason, my friend or, you know
4: yeah no jackie gleason jerry lewis Frank Sinatra New Jersey. I mean, Frankie Valley, there are New Jersey, Joe Pesci. New Jersey's great talent. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah.
3: Now, what I wanted to ask you is you obviously, mm-hmm. we talked a little bit before, you love the Beatles. Now, mm-hmm. um, how important was this movie to you uh, since you have this? amazing love for the Beatles, and do you have any fun Beatles stories uh, yes and
4: this ties into it this it's funny you say that chris that this Beatles story ties right into it okay i do a scene in the movie i don't know if you guys know the marx brothers you marx brothers fans i, I know i know, I know the marx yeah.
0: brothers yeah you
4: know, okay the marx brothers do a movie called animal crackers it's an it's what their second film in the movie groucho is doing a scene with chico the italian brother and Groucho's talking, and Chico does this shtick. He goes, he, they're doing a technique. He goes, I try to solve the crime. And I go, where would they put the painting? And the answer, come back. It's in this room. And I go, who would have stole it? And the answer, come back. And he does this gag. And the answer, come back. Anyway, I stole this gag and put it in. I want to hold your hand. It's me and this girl, Wendy Jo Sperber, who plays Rosie. And we're trying to get tickets to the Beatles show. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I, I go, uh, I, I'm the greatest Beatles fan. I'm the greatest Beatles expert in the world. Ask me any Beatles question in the world. You can't stop me. I know everything about Beatles there is to know. I go, ask me who's the oldest Beatle. And the answer come back, Ringo. Ask me who's the youngest Beatle. And the answer come back, George. Ask me if Beatle has blue eyes. <laughs> and the answer come back, Ringo. And I, 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 I do like that. But I stole the gag. Anyway, I love that. later after it came out, my I had a friend named Joe Pope who used to write, and he, tragically, he died of AIDS, sadly, but he was a great guy. Oh. He used to do a Beatles magazine called Strawberry Fields Forever. And he somehow got an interview with Paul McCartney. Wow. This was like a couple of years later after we did I Want to Hold Your Hand. And he goes, to Paul, he goes, did you ever see a movie called I Want to Hold Your Hand? And Paul McCartney goes, and the answer, come back. Ringo." Oh, and the answer, come back. So, wow. so Paul, McCartney, Paul McCartney did an impression of me, which is one of the highlights of my life. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Oh, okay, my goodness. Yeah. I'll tell you my other. I have one other great Paul McCartney. Story. Paul McCartney's birthday is coming up in three days, and I don't know if you guys see my Facebook page, but I'll post about him. I'll post these stories, but I'll give them to you early. My other Paul McCartney is in 1984. I was on a, a show called Punky Brewster at NBC.
0: Yes, you were. And,
4: uh, yeah, yeah. And there was this wonderful guy in the show named George Gaines. He was this distinguished actor. Hello, Eddie. Hello, punk. Eh? There was this real distinguished actor. He was a great guy. And he goes, Eddie, you're a Beatles fan, aren't you? That's what I heard. I go, yeah, George Yanks. He goes, I got your two tickets to see Paul McCartney on The Tonight Show. It was like the next night. I'm, George, are you serious? I could have kissed the guy. You know? So he got me <laughs> two tickets. I took a friend. We saw Paul McCartney on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Anyway, after the show, Paul comes out in the sports car, he's leaving the studio and we all converge like a hard day's night, you know, like 200 fans, <laughs> we, we surrounded his car. I touched Paul on the shoulder. He we rolled down his window and I was right there close. And I touched, so I touched the beetle. I touched Paul on the shoulder. <laughs> now we were all there. And then Paul had to leave. He had a, a lady in the car, by the way. I think it was probably his wife, Linda, but there was a lady, I don't remember who it was, but Paul was there with a the woman and it was a little sports car. Anyway, as Paul's driving off, I felt this crushing weight on my foot. It felt like an elephant stepped on my foot. Like Chris Christie stepped on my foot. Smash! <laughs> my foot it a, it, like it felt like it broke my foot. I think to this day he drove his car over my foot. I think he this was speeding it was, it was a little mini car. It didn't break my foot. It drove over the front end of my foot. So I think, I'm not sure, but I think Paul McCartney drove over my foot and then he just drove off. <laughs>
3: Wow. Now, now <laughs> funny you bring up the driving habits of somebody, uh, of Paul McCartney the Uh Do you believe that Paul McCartney died in a, in a car crash in the 70s and the, the Paul McCartney that you saw was just an actor?
4: No, definitely not. That's an old <laughs> rumor. That was 1969. It was, it was a false rumor. Thank God. This is what I know about. This is what I figure about Paul McCartney. This is my own realization about that. And take this in and assimilate it. I, I think this is true. Paul McCartney and this it's mind-boggling when you really think about it, when you think of the billions and billions and billions of people that have lived. I think Paul McCartney has brought more joy and happiness to the world than any other human being, more than any religious figure, more than any sports figure, more than any arts figure. Anything he's you know if you figure with him and the Beatles how many people he's made happy whereas religious people of course have brought a lot of happiness but they brought a lot of un- you know there's been unhappiness with religion too there's always been dissenters and there's been, but with Paul it's pretty much been all happiness he's just brought joy to the world for like what fifty or sixty years now yeah. and nobody can compare to his record
2: certainly now, no actor has
4: done it you know and, and nobody in showbiz has done it for as long as Paul and, could, and the songs would just go on right. like, he's kind of he's kind of like Shakespeare you know these songs are just go on forever they're so beautiful
3: now you say this. Eddie, but i have mm-hmm. to uh, I, i'd be you know i have to to talk about a little bit about this sure i'm gonna uh spew off a list here dexter's mm-hmm. laboratory right. oswald code name kids next door kim possible scooby-doo spongebob squarepants fairly odd parents johnny bravo our real monsters goof troop right all these titles have to do with you my friend yes yeah you you played voices in every so first of all i, I just want to thank you for being a huge part of my childhood
4: Oh, it's so my pleasure. If I brought you happiness, that makes me so happy, really. That's why wow. we do it.
3: Oh man! Well, we just talked about before the show that you were the the voice, uh, major voice of Dexter's Laboratory. Yeah, I wanted dark, to. I
4: did twenty episodes. Okay, I'll do the man dark laugh. Let's get out of the way. Mm. <laughs> 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 I'm not as good as I remember. I was like in my thirties, I think, when I did it. So I'm I'm sixty six now. That's all <laughs> my my adenoids have oh, left. Oh my
3: goodness! Andy, my sister's <laughs> gonna freak out when I show her this. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we used to watch growing up. Uh, that just made my it made my year. Yeah, it was a wonderful show. (laughs) I wanted to ask you, as a voice actor, Mm -hmm. um, what was was the most important role to you? You know, you talk about Paul McCartney leaving an impact on people. What was the most important role to you and what you believe left an impact on others? Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a friend.
4: (laughs) Is this just voiceovers you want to talk about? Yeah, yeah, voiceovers. Mm Mm-hmm. Does this count Polar Express? Can I, sure. Yes. Polar Express, Definitely. The effect of Polar Express. I always, even though I'm Jewish, it had always been on my bucket list. I swear. I had all Christmas is my favorite holiday. Even though I'm Jewish, I just love Christmas. I'm a Christmas yeah, fan. I love knowledge. to this day, even yeah. though we were on, all on computers, I love sending out Christmas cards. I'll send out like 100 Christmas cards to my friends. And I just love Christmas. I love the spirit. I love Christmas carols and I love the time of year. And I'd always had my bucket list. I wanted to do a Christmas movie. And so, anyway, Bob Zemeckis directed me, and I want to hold your hand. And then he wrote me into the Polar Express movie he's doing called the Polar Express. Oh. Now, obviously. Yeah, the Polar Express is That's based a on a book by Chris Van Allsworth. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a book. It's like about eighteen pages. It's a beautiful yeah, little book. Eddie, my kid not even in the book. Yeah, no. Eddie, I'm going to interrupt in you book. real quick because sure. this is
0: this is such a, you you are such a big part of of my family's life, and I just want to explain oh. real quick. Sure. When, when my sister and I were kids, every Christmas morning, uh my parents would invite us. At, before we could go open presents, we would all come in and lay down in their bed, and we would read the Polar Express. The the. Polar Oh, express wow. book yeah and it came so with beautiful. a little yeah it came with a little bell so we yes. were so excited when they they announced that this polar express movie was coming out yeah. to this day to this day every christmas season my entire so my my mom my stepdad my sister my brother-in-law my niece my nephew all my kids my wife were we all spend the night at my house and we do a polar express sleepover party Oh, where we cool. watch the polar express we put when we the hot cocoa. chocolate song comes yes. on we pause it we make very hot cool. chocolate so you're you are part of my christmas tradition which is why i was so excited to have you on this podcast not because of grace but because of polar express so thank, well, you.
4: thank you well you're very kind it's so gracious you thank you And it's a, it's a beautiful story i'm so glad I, co- I helped cause that that's very beautiful
3: yeah Now, scott Now, you watch Polar Express every year. Every year. Probably multiple times. You probably Probably. watch it every night before you go to bed. (laughs) Now, there's Tom Hanks... But right. who's the second most notable voice in that movie, Scott?
4: There was okay. Here's where the kind of the screw job came in. Peter Scolari, who, do you, do you guys remember *Bosom Buddies* with Tom Hanks and Peter Scalari, The show. Yes, yes, yes the yes. two guys in drag. That was P- the 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 lonely boy. That was Peter Scolari. I don't know. To the I was talking to Stevie, my manager, about it like yesterday. So for some reason they didn't use his voice. It's it's me. Tom, there's four of us, the four main guys. It's Tom Hanks, me, Peter Scolari was the other one, and for some reason they use and the girl the. Pretty girl, the hero girl, the African American mm-hmm. girl is Nona Gay, who is Marvin Gaye's daughter. You know. Wow. No, the- I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, wow. that's the four of us in there. For some reason, they now we all did it. There, the kids are based on our movements. It's a mo- thing called motion capture. It was an incredible procedure. Every day, the four of us would put on skin diver suits, like those rubber skin diving suits. They would glue a skin diving cap to our head. Literally, I'm not kidding. And they would take up a marker and mark 152 dots on our face. I swear. Then they take these little lights and glued 152 lights to our heads. I swear to God. And then they'd shine this kind of a ray on us. And that's how they got our movements. That's incredible. After we did our scenes, they had, yeah, they had four little kids. They had a little kid, Tom, little kid, me, a little kid, Peter, little kid, Don, And they would do the same scene with with their arms and move it like us and somehow they morphed us into kids bodies don't ask me how but huh. that was that was the technology 20 years ago now it's probably you know technology moves past, it's probably much easier now but this sure. was the first motion capture film wow. so you hear our voices it's me tom and nona but for some reason they didn't use peter's voice which i never figured that's a different voice but it, it's peter's movements but it's for little kids but it's peter kind of got screwed
0: Wow. So, Eddie, who did the voice of the hero boy? Because IMDb has it credited to uh, Daryl Sabra. I always thought That's it was it. Josh Hutchinson.
4: Oh, it, it could be either one. I'm not sure. I don't know his name, but he was a very nice guy. But it could be either one. I'm so sorry. I don't know. I don't even know who did my voice. Who <laughs> did my body stuff?
0: Well, they they've got both on IMDb. Both are credited uh-huh. for for the voice. So I don't know if it was like an Olsen twin, oh, yeah. just flip you know them in. Right. No, 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 Scott, you're right
4: because they didn't use Tom's voice. You're right. Tom was it was another but Tom did have other roles. Tom played five roles in it. Right. But you're right. It was the All only right. of the of the main four characters it was only me and Nona that used our voice. That's that's really my voice and it's really Nona's. But you're right for reason they didn't use Tom and Peter, which I don't know why.
0: Yeah, it's it's strange yeah. because there's two voices credited, or there's two actors credited for the voice of the hero boy, and I've I've just yeah. always wondered that.
4: Yeah, I wonder why they die. I, I don't know. Tom played four characters, and I'll tell you my well. Tom played, of course, the hobo on the train. He right. played Santa Claus. He played right. the conductor, and uh, technically, he played the hero boy because that was his movements. You know, Tom was we we filmed it for 10 weeks and every day i work with tom and we did those movements together and he played uh oh he plays the father at the beginning of the, film, right, he plays the father, right. so tom has five roles now i'll tell you my breath with greatness when we were doing it tom was real close with marlon brando they were real close pals wow. and they wanted him for the hobo on top of the train to play that role and this was close to marlon brando's passing this was the last year of his life Tom, goes, he was really really sick tom goes we really want you for this movie. It's called the Polar Express. We want you to play the hobo on the train. We're going to give you cue cards. We'll make it so easy. We'll knock it off in a couple hours. Please, can you just come and do it? But Marlon was just too sick. And then mm. he died a couple months later. But if he had done it, I could have been in a film with Marlon Brando. I could have met oh, Marlon Brando. But that was my, oh, my brush with greatness for that one. And then Tom took the role, you know.
0: Well, I, OK, hold on. You're saying that would that was almost your. you were in a movie yeah, with Tom Hanks. Yeah. Like yeah. Tom Hanks is one of the most iconic uh, actors of our time. Oh, my, I mean, he's
4: my favorite actor of all time. I'll tell you, this is true story. My two favorite actors of our generation, maybe all time. You know, I like the old time comedians the best. But of the actors of our generation, my two favorites, I swear to God, are Tom Hanks, John Travolta. And those mm-hmm. are two I got to do films with both of them. So I left out. Wow. My first thing on the set. OK, I didn't even know he just hired me, Bob Zemeckis knew me for a moment, I'll hold your hand. So he wrote me into the film. So luckily I didn't have to go through the audition process. So my agent just calls, you know, Bob Zemeckis wants to direct in this film called Polar Express. And I go, of course, I love, Bob's the best director I ever worked with. He's my favorite director. So I come on the set the first day, I didn't know Hanks was in it. And the first day, and Bob goes, we're doing this new thing called motion capture. And he showed me the film of it. And and the voice of it, it showed this weird movement. It was a guy's, that sounds like Tom Hanks. So anyway, I go. That sounds like Tom Hanks. Goes, yeah, Tom Hanks is the star of the movie. So I'm about to have a conniption. You know, are you serious? So anyway, we're all there's like hundred <laughs> of us lined up on the set. He goes, "You'll love Tom." He's like a big kid. So Tom Hanks comes bouncing in the room. He comes up to me first. I swear to God, he takes my hand. Hi, Eddie. I'm Tom. I go, no shit, Sherlock. Are
1: you
4: <laughs> this guy is such a nice guy. And I, I have like 100 Tom Hanks stories. Every day was a new story with this guy. He's just with the sweetest, nicest guy. Anyway, the closest I can say is he's like a big kid. He's like, I, I remember seeing him on the set and he was dressed as Santa Claus. And then, You know, for the Santa Claus stuff, he had to get him the Santa Claus suit. And I go, that's really you? I go, you're really Santa Claus. I go, you were probably Santa Claus in another life. You <laughs> are just Santa Claus. Because he lives to make people happy. That's all he does. Yeah. I'll tell you, this is a great Tom Hanks story, and I'll sum him up in this story. This is what he is. I was talking to him on the set one day because the joy of it was every morning, we, you know, before you start shooting, there's free time. And every day I could get kibbutz with Tom so I could ask him anything and he'd answer it. So one day I was asking about Jackie Gleason. And I go, you did that movie, Nothing in Common with Jackie Gleason. I love The Honeymooners. What was he like? And Tom goes, oh, Jackie was great. You know, he's a total professional. You know, he knew his lines. He was always on time. He always hit his mark. And, you know, he was there every day and blah, 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 blah. So anyway, I go, that's interesting. So I go off, I'm talking to Peter Slar. I go, you know, it's funny. I was just talking to Tom about uh, Jackie Gleason. He said, what a great guy he is and how much fun it was to work with him. And Peter goes, you know, that's just like Tom. He goes, Jackie Gleason was an asshole to him. He goes, Jackie Gleason was mean and rude to him. He goes, Tom was not a big star then. And Jackie was very arrogant. You know, he like was very rude to Tom. He wasn't nice to him. He didn't treat him well. He goes, but Tom will not say anything bad about anybody. No matter who, he refuses to say a bad word about anybody. And that's Tom Hanks. That's the kind of heart he has. He just won't say anything
0: bad about anybody. Wow. Yeah. That, that, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. At, at all.
4: Yeah. The way he the way he seems is him. And the same with John Travolta. You just look at him and you know, this is a really, really nice guy. This is a total mensch. And that's the way John Travolta is. Same thing.
0: Wow so eddie and this is kind of a, a an off-the-wall question you know obviously mm-hmm. you your cast in greece is kind of the nerdy character and all that right did you ever did you ever have a relationship with uh the late great dustin diamond who played screech powers in Saint No, Brother i, I, I
4: did but I, this is a true story i swear to god and i think you're the first podcast i've ever done that got into this i was hired for that role first i was the original screech but i didn't want to do the show but i auditioned to do the show with Haley mills it was called miss bliss or something yeah, good morning miss yeah. bliss yes i was supposed to only one and i just didn't like the script and i didn't want to do it and then he got it but i turned that role down that's a true story
0: wow yeah yeah i didn't know that yes yeah i i didn't know um because i know that he had he had a lot of issues with uh, you know just getting bullied and all that with with being Mm -hmm. typecast into that role and i didn't know if you had the opportunity to mentor him as as you know a more experienced actor or anything that's why i asked the question but that's no i didn't i've never
4: met dustin you know he seems like a really nice guy but i've never met him but yeah he he had good success with that role made a good career out of it
0: yeah very very true and unfortunately gone too soon yeah um
4: what did he pass on? Up, I, I don't even remember.
0: So oh sorry. gosh, two, two, three years ago. Uh, I, I believe it was lung cancer. Two, three years ago. Oh, he was a smoker. Yeah.
4: Oh, okay. That's terrible. Yeah. I was in the hospital, you know, with my heart troubles for three years, two and a half years on, two or three years on and off, and so I missed so many, and so many people passed on, including, of course, Olivia passed on mm-hmm. when I was in the hospital. Gilbert Gottfried. a lot of people I love. Yeah. And, you know, it was it was horrible, but. That was a terrible time in my life, and I, I, we just lost a lot of people, sadly. And of yeah. course, there was a pandemic, so it was just terrible years.
0: Horrible, yeah, horrible. So speaking, speaking of of, of time in the hospital, and we'll briefly, I want to give you an opportunity because you you unfortunately were in the news for some negativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody loves a good headline. Grease star yeah. Uh, yeah. arrested.
4: You can call me, call me by my rap name, the notorious Eddie D. That's what they call me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm one of those thugs you know yeah
0: <laughs> so um i wanted to give you kind of an opportunity to kind of uh share because i i know i know your truth and and i know mm-hmm. what happened i wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of you know uh, discuss that as as, sure. as as much length as you feel comfortable with
4: sure you're very kind and very gracious and i'm just going to be honest with you i was born with a hard murmur which mm-hmm. means uh a hard murmur there was a, a of the valve in my heart that wasn't connected to it people's hearts you know used to go lub dub lub dub lub dub you know that's a normal heart my heart for my whole life goes went dub, sh, dub, sh, dub, because that valve was not connected mm-hmm. doctors would listen to my heart to go that's a really severe heart murmur you have but you know my dad had a heart murmur john f kennedy had a heart murmur jerry lewis had a heart murmur and you just live you know you can live your life with them yeah anyway yeah. about I would live my life and it never caused me any trouble. Around 2019, I started feeling weird. I was doing signing shows and all. I was starting to feel woozy and dizzy. I don't know, and I got really scared. I thought I was dying. What was happening was the valve had come totally out. Oh, wow. There was blood leaking into my brain, literally from that heart. It was, I, I don't know if it would have been fatal, but it was, I think it probably would have been fatal. There was blood leaking in my brain. I was feeling woozy, you know? So anyway, in early 2020, it was January 6, 2020. I was rushed to Ruby Memorial Hospital in West Virginia. They did emergency open heart surgery on me. Wow. I remember clearly I was in bed and a nurse said she goes, We're gonna get a helicopter and fly you out. But and you know, I don't remember a lot of that period because I was so drugged up for those three years. Right. But um they had the emergency surgery. Then I got a bad break, my heart got infected after that. And then I got another bad break, I had a bad stroke. So mm-hmm. I had really a bad triple whammy. And the nurse said, By all rights, you should be dead. After the the stroke, I literally I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk, I couldn't eat, and I couldn't sleep, literally all. I was as close to death as you could imagine. So anyway, I lived my whole life pretty much drug-free. I don't believe in drugs. I'm like like a Christian scientist. I don't even take aspirin. But they put me on a regimen of like 20 pills, which obviously some I need, but they put me on a horrible antidepressant called Xanax. Which is powerful and it it's mind altering, and I didn't know they had me on this. I would never agree to because I don't believe in that stuff. They put me on that, and I was really freaked out, and I started doing really bad, and I started you know going roller coaster really bad and worse. I was released from the hospital. I started doing some crazy stuff. I'll look back at my old Facebook posts from that period, like early twenty twenty one, and I put these posts that were just you know my mind was just insane. I had a thing. This really happened. I was at a restaurant in Cumberland, Maryland, and they didn't want to admit me. They didn't want to me because I was causing trouble around town, getting into trouble, and they didn't want to admit me. So they were chasing me around this Chinese restaurant. The police were there, and the police were chasing me around, and I literally threw plates at the police. This really Oh, my happened, gosh. A friend, a friend of mine at the hospital said, he said, if they have that on surveillance film, it's got to be one of the greatest restaurant surveillance films of all time. <laughs> <laughs> <They're> running around, they <laughs> chasing throwing plates at cops. But that literally happened. Anyway, throwing plates at the police, of course, is second-degree assault. So I was put into jail for a month for that. And then I was put into a hospital, which was, it was a Dickensian, horrible, horrible hospital. And the, the nurses were nice, but it was a horrible hospital for eight months. I was with these 19 other guys and, you know, we made friends, but these were some tough guys. These were drug addicts and really tough prisoners. These were hardcore guys, you know, and I was there for eight months. So it was really hard. Anyway, I finally got out Steve, my manager and his beautiful wife, Denise. Took me in, and I've been living at their home for five months now. They're they're my guardians, and they have been so wonderful. They're seems like my brother, and Denise is the nicest lady in the world. They've just been wonderful to me, so I'm very happy here. And that chapter's over in my life, but it was it was a horrible chapter. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you wow. for thank you for sharing that. I, yeah, I, I sure, appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank so, you. I, go ahead, Chris. I don't know. I I just had a quick question. I'm
3: uh-huh, not sure. We um we talked a little bit about religion early in there. But then we, we don't want to get not, deep into religion.
4: But please, when you, when I don't mind like go- metaphysical questions at all.
3: Yeah, when you Google Eddie Deason, you, see, you find Eddie Deason Scientology. Is that, right. is that, is that some rumor? Or no, is I, w-
4: it- I was in for several years earlier. Really? I, obviously, because Scientology is very, very anti-drugs. Because I was given all those drugs, I'm, I'm not eligible. It's not a cruel thing, but that's their policy. Because I took all those psychiatric drugs, I'm not eligible anymore. So I'm pretty much gone. Yes. But I had nothing but only good experience with it. I knew Nancy Cartwright uh, John, of course, when I did Greece, John was the first Scientologist I ever met. And I go, I thought it was weird. I go, these Scientologists are weird. And I met John right. and I go, this is the nicest guy I've ever met. He's so cool. So that was my first thing that got my interest. And I was in for several years and it, it really did help me and made me a more ethical person, a better person. And it just helped me in a lot of ways, but I'm, I'm not in anymore. I've been, now, I've been out for like several years now because of that.
3: I do want to elaborate on that just a bit because sure. Scientology gets, obviously it gets a bad rep. Nobody yeah. understands it. Nobody. Right. So you're, you're saying that uh, Scientology helped you as a crutch basically so that you would uh, stray away from, from drug use. Is it? So you wouldn't no, like, no, you know. I, I wasn't killers, into drugs
4: or? at all. Wasn't that just, not, I was, no, I not like agree. hard
3: drugs, but, pa- but no. painkillers after the surgery. What, how, how no, no, th- no
4: I, I wasn't into drugs for that gotcha. long time. They didn't get me off the drugs. They got me. I was put on the drugs. I pulled myself off that. It I, see. Like, gotcha. I had to get myself off those drugs. It was, it was horrible. And it was, it was an ordeal. Gotcha. Because you can imagine from going to no drugs for my whole life to 20 a day my sure. friend Mary knew, knew a nurse that was taking care of me she said she said this nurse said they had these 20 like 20 toes litter they were putting i didn't even know that because i have, I hardly remember the period i was so blacked out on xanax you know yeah and yeah. you know that's just black, that's really the blackout part of my period is the last three years i only remember sporadic thing steve would go do you remember i pick you up at the airport and we went to a science? i don't remember any of that this wow. stuff just blows but wow. Scientology well, isn't they're very big on ethics you okay. know, honesty truth. And I used to, I'll be honest, in my early career, I was a shoplifter. I would go to shops and steal stuff just to make money, just as a goof. I didn't think it was serious. I would go and steal books. You know, I would, this is, you know, they have the alarms at the bookstores now. Mm-hmm. But when I was first in Hollywood in the 70s, I would steal books. I'd put them under my shirt and then I'd go sell them. You know, just stuff like that. You know, just non-ethical things, going out with the wrong girls.
3: Yeah, you know, yeah. not
4: being honest with people. Scientology is very, very big on ethics. But Jerry Seinfeld was in it. That's and he said, the ethics, of wow. the ethics of it is really, really good part that I think can help anybody. They just believe if you're a really ethical person, it, it leads to an ethical life. And when these really, really unhappy people, you know, really straighten your ethics out and it will make you happier. And I found that's true.
3: Oh, that's mm. really interesting. It's something I, a religion I know nothing about. And I, yeah. when, when, when researching you, it came up and I was like, wow, I'd love to ask him a little bit about that. And your, yeah.
0: your experience for yeah. that. That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Now, Eddie, um, <laughs> I, I heard a rumor that you pushed a car off a cliff. Can yes, you can, can you tell story. me about that?
4: Okay. I knew this. We used to play poker all the time We used to have weekly poker game, you know, actors, we have all this free time. So we play po- we play poker through the night, me and my pals. We had this guy who was like a real crook, his name was Jim Steen. He would like, we called him the fish. He was the world's worst poker player and he was a real dick, but he was not an honest guy. Anyway, for some reason, we went to Las Vegas. Me, Steen, and the guy named Paul Nagel, we went together. And Jimmy, for some reason, I gave him $3,000. He talked me into it and I said, win us some money. So we proceeded, of course, to lose all the money. <laughs> I was furious, you know, and all, da, 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 And he never paid me back. So I kept, you know, harping on, where's my money? Da, da. Finally, he says, look, I own this Alfa Romeo. I'm going to give it to you for the $3,000. I know nothing about cars my friend freddie said that's a good deal alfa romeo is a great sports car it's easily worth that fine so he gave me this alfa romeo he stopped it and gives it to me anyway what i didn't know is he owed another guy at that he gave him the pink slip so in other words, I had the car with no pink slip. The other guy had a pink slip with no car. So they're each worthless. But he paid off two debts, technically. And then I never saw him again. So <laughs> I was so pissed off. I was furious. I have this car that's worth nothing. We lived in a building on, on Hollywood and Edgemont, off Hollywood and Edgemont, called New Hollywood Hotel and Apartments. No, it, it was on Edgemont. I'm sorry. That was another place. But it's on Edgemont. There was like a little cliff behind the parking lot there. So when we took the car, my friends and I, we started it. And we pushed it over the cliff. It was like maybe 15 or 10 foot and It went down. There's like the woods and trees. We pushed it down in the woods and trees there. So it might still be there. I was so mad. The car was no use. See, you, when you don't have the pink slip, you can't even saw it for junk, you know, because nobody will take. You have to have right. a pink slip. So it was worthless, mm. you know, iron. Oh so my I lost gosh. an apple nail, but yeah, <laughs> I can't drive anyway, so... <laughs>
3: Eddie, you um i just want to just randomly say this but not only are you the most interesting interview that we've had thus far you you're probably the most interesting person i've ever talked to in my whole life
4: Oh, thank you. That's very, that's very I, kind I, of you. <laughs> I feel
3: like this short time we've had together so far is like not even a drop in the bucket of all the interesting and amazing stories that you have yeah, to I
4: have. Okay. You want to hear a new one with your story? This one happened two days ago. Okay. I swear Please. about this it, story. This is another weird story. When I first came to Hollywood, I came to Hollywood and my anniversary it was June 13th, 1975. That was the day I went to high school, and I went the next day after high school. I wanted to get out of Cumberland, Maryland so bad. So okay. I flew out to Hollywood on the 12th. I arrived on Friday the 13th, 75. Anyway, my first meal in Hollywood, I'm at a drugstore on the corner of Hollywood Highland. So I'm eating there. I look down with my feet. There's a $5 bill there. So I pick up the $5 bill. There's a guy next to me. I go, sir, did you lose this? He goes, no. So I go, oh, boy, I found $5. This is lucky. You know, <laughs> I put it in my pocket. This is a great start in a new city. Anyway, my anniversary was yesterday, 48 years later. So I had to get some laundry detergent. So Stevie goes, I'll take you to Walmart. So Stevie and I went to Walmart. We bought some detergent. I bought a can of beef stew. So we're walking out the parking lot. I look down, there's a $5 bill there. <laughs> so, I picked up, so I found a $5 bill. 48 years later, I found $5. Again, that's totally true. Look <laughs> on my Facebook page. There's a picture of me with that $5 <laughs> bill. It's got it's wow. it's it's to it's be a Ripley's, believe it or not.
0: That's amazing. Sarah, you you pick up a lot of bills and coins and stuff, right, Sarah? (laughs)
1: When I see them, I pick them up.
0: Absolutely.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Oh
1: yeah, I pick them up.
0: Sure. Sarah, do you have any questions for Eddie?
1: Are you guys getting together for Greece? Do you ever get together for these anniversaries?
4: Yes, Sarah, we've done many in the past. Now, Barry is doing one. Now, Barry is like, I think he's in Australia right now. Go to Barry Pearl's Facebook page. He was due to, you know, one of the T-Birds. You can see him. He's in Australia drinking a big beer. He's in Melbourne. I think he's doing a one-man show, doing a Q&A. So he's gone. But to answer your question, we've done many over the years. We've had many reunions at signing shows, you know, Chiller Theater. It's been, you know, not John and Olivia. They're too big for it. But the rest of us, you know, of course, sadly, Jeff and uh, Cha-Cha, Annette Cardona passed away in 2011, which I loved them both, and there mm. they went. But we did shows with Jeff, and sadly, Jeff's his last show is he was in a wheelchair. He was, you know, Jeff had nine back operations. He, he had a fall in Greece, and he became a bad drug addict because of the fall, because of the pain. You know, he was taking painkillers, right. and he was, like, decrepit oh, in the wow. last few years, you know. And if you look at Greece, he's like this Greek adonis, you know, this Greek, you know, a male animal, you know. The, I would do shows with him, and he was gnarled over, you know, in a wheelchair, and I would wheel him around. And the girls would still giggle over him. Oh, it's Knicky They they were still seeing the guy from Greece, but he looked like he was about ninety six years old. You know, he's the poor guy, but yeah. he's the same sweet guy. You know, Eddie, do you want a soda? You know, Eddie, can I get you anything? Eddie, you should charge more for your picture. He was like my big brother, <laughs> but I would take him. He had to go to the bathroom. I would wheel him in his wheelchair, Kaniki. You know, and uh, and then he passed away. And Annette, Cha Cha, I hardly knew her on the set. I talked to her like one time. But then we had one of our we, you know, we have get togethers just as parties. We'd have reunions. You know, all of us would go. And I got to know her at a party once. We were driving there, and it happened. She and I got paired up. And we talked in the crowd today and I got to know her and we really became friends for that one time. And I saw what a beautiful person she was. We told each other our life stories. And then, unfortunately, she died shortly after that. She oh. she died of uh-huh. lung cancer. She never, she never smoked a cigarette in her life, but she died of lung cancer.
0: Oh, That's like uh, oh, there was God. someone, uh, Christopher Reeve's wife. Really? Uh, did, same thing? Yeah, same thing. Died yep. of uh, lung cancer, never smoked Horrible. a cigarette in her
4: yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. terrible. And
0: then, meanwhile, I'm a uh, pack a day smoker, and I'm doing just fine. You're so in health. yeah. D- yeah, yeah, it doesn't. It's all it,
4: subjective. Who knows? Yeah, some it's guys You know, life is so crazy. Some guys will smoke four packs a day and they'll live to the ninety six. And then you yeah. see these guys will do exercise and all, and they'll kill over at thirty. And that. you don't know. absolutely. We just uh. kind of you know we do the best we can. You know, you try to go with the odds, leave the best you can. But it's so capricious. You don't know how the universe works.
0: Yeah, yeah um eddie is there anything you're working on now uh anything coming up for you
4: uh no just you know we've been doing a lot there's not a lot to do I'm in south carolina it's wonderful i'd love to get back into movies eventually we want to get back into signing shows i've been doing signing shows for like 30 years i've been doing since the 80s i was sick you know and in the hospital and the pandemic came but stevie's trying to get me back into the signing shows, the comic cons i love doing oh, we do a awesome. thing called yeah we're doing cameo videos which we do about several weeks we do like i've watched some of yours they're very entertaining yeah they're so much fun and you make people happy you know eddie can you wish my wife happy anniversary i said we'll do pep talks you go, eddie can you give me a pep we had the last one he goes i'm a young director and i'm nervous i'm scared can you give me a pep talk oh cool pep talk i said you know we need artists like you da 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 we'll say happy bar mitzvah we've had you know do your man dark laugh can you tell me some stories about greece and stevie and i have done like probably at least a hundred since i've been here so we like doing those to make people happy so if you want one go to you know just google cameo videos Punch into Eddie D's and they're they're 30 bucks, but they're you are a great gift. You have them the rest of your life, and I'll do anything you want on them. You know, say, you know, as long as it's clean, you know, decent. But <laughs> it won't be, I don't take off my clothes, but anything else I'll do <laughs> on that.
3: That's yeah. extra. That's well, extra. Yeah. Stevie's a said great no. cameraman.
4: <laughs> Stevie's a great cameraman and he photographs for <laughs> Stevie kind of directs me. He goes, Okay, do it this way, say it, he's a good director. So we get to Oh,
3: cool. Yeah. We'll put the and link I'll to hope- your cameo on in the in the description of this yeah. episode.
4: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Eddie, uh-huh. so I have to ask you this.
3: So sure. I ask every celebrity interview that we do, who uh-huh. is the smelliest, good or bad, actor or actress that you've ever uh, encountered in your-
4: smelliest? Yeah. Good can or you bad. You can say oh, good or bad. Let me try to think. I'm going to give you an honest answer. I don't remember- I made out with two cool ones. I, they both were great. Good breath. They didn't smell. I made out with Morgan Fairchild and Tanya Harding, but they oh, were, they Tana both Tana smelled Harding. good. I made out with Tanya Harding. I did. It, I did it, a comic con. There's a great show in New Jersey called killer Theater. I don't know if you know, but it's the best signing show in the world. What? So about, just about 20 years ago, when Tanya had her thing with Nancy Kerrigan, you know, she hired a her, her in the knee. I heard about that. A yeah. Guest, the killer, yeah. And at this time, Tanya was looked on as like a villain. You know, she was like a not like, sure. you know, not to the degree of O.J. Simpson, but she was, you know, she was pretty close. Yeah. She did. That's, get the, thing. that's the
0: thing. That's the thing. O.J. Allegedly yeah. kills someone. Uh, yeah. No big deal. Tanya Harding took out America's Sweethearts exactly. knees. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, they yeah. They she hired, was the biggest they, villain at the time. Yeah. They hired.
4: T- or O.J. Simpson and Robert Blake have both done signing shows. They're both murderers, you know, ostensibly murderers. Tanya was hard, So they don't really care. They just want to make a buck, you know, and they go, these guys will get a job. And people will, you know, ask for their progress. But at this one, Tanya didn't have any customers that I saw. Maybe she got a few, but she was pretty much alone. So I felt sorry for her. And I went over and we started talking. And we just hit it off, you know, and nature took us, we were talking and we just started kissing. We started, you know, like any guy and a girl and we just started making, it and she's a great kisser. She's wonderful, soft lip. She kisses perfect. And we were making out like crazy, you know, anyway, we finished the show and I gave her my signed picture and we said goodbye. And it was a beautiful experience. Anyway, this big mafia comes up about 70, hey, Tanya wants one of your pictures. You know? So I signed know, yeah, <laughs> this guy's going to break my knuckles over and I'll give her a picture. So I signed a picture and gave it yeah. to her. It was Take a beautiful three. experience yeah i'd say yeah Yeah, i'd say yeah my morgan fairchild real quick I, i did a movie called mob boss which uh was a it's a good b movie comedy if you can ever stream that or get a copy it's a really my sister said it's my funniest movie i ever did but it's a b comedy i'm a gangster a mob guy and morgan fairchild is like my gun mall but anyway, Morgan was like very sweet and she was always alone. We'd all have lunch together, all the cast group, And Morgan would always have lunch in her dressing room alone. She was sweet and maybe shy. And, and she, you know, she's a star. She's probably used to not having lunch with the rest of us. But anyway, one day she goes, Eddie, do you want to have lunch with me? So, of course, being a guy, you know, I'm thinking this is summer of 42. I'm going to bed her down. She wants to have sex with me. You know, I'm going to have an affair with Morgan Fairchild. So I was nervous. all day. Oh, my God, I'm going to disappoint her. Blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I knocked on the door. Blah, blah, blah. She goes, so she went to have lunch. So we sit and we have lunch. The lunch was served. And she told me her whole life story. It was one of the most beautiful lunches I ever had. She just talked. She just wanted to talk. and She, she told me about Warren Beatty and her whole life and growing up in Texas and blah, blah, blah. And she told me her whole life for like an hour and a half. It was a beautiful lunch. she was a beautiful special lady yeah 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 that's amazing her loss she didn't get to have sex with me so she's the (laughs) one um all
0: right some rapid fire Uh, questions for you before we finish this up Mm -hmm. Uh, what what are your must-haves on the craft service table
4: um oh let me see okay i'll tell you my must not have my food buttons here's my biggest food button. like everyone has one they can't eat absolutely stevie has he hates tomatoes he will not eat them. mine is red or purple onions i just can't stand. i like the oh. white onions when we grew up i like the regular white onions, but i hate red or purple onions so i will not eat them if they, if they get in my food i won't them. if they put it in my salad i won't eat this salad no matter how you, you, you never That's know when you're going to make
3: out with tanya harding
4: yes exactly, you can't, you can't be exactly. <laughs> onions. right i just i can't stand that what i like to have let me see um you know, I, I can eat pretty much anything except that. That's my biggest button, I think. Um, what I have to have is uh, I, I don't really mind. I, nothing's, you know, as long as the food's good, as long as it's edible. Yeah. I'm okay. not a big hot dog fan. Low dog maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty low All maintenance. Right. But I like good food. Like, like Polar Express, we had really good food. That was like a great, you know, thing. I, I've done B movies where you get like, you know, crackers and cheese or like hamburgers from McDonald's and then you go to a big production. And they have pretty good craft services, you know, really good meals.
0: That's cool. Yeah, uh, we uh, fav- favorite project. That you ever worked on, favorite
4: project? I would, uh, it would be—I'd say—Polar Express has to be up there. Greece would be up there because Greece was my first. Um, Polar Express, Greece—so many of them. So many movies have just been a joy. I want to hold your hand because Steven Spielberg, of course, 1941 because of Steven Spielberg. The honor of being directed with him and the, the pleasure of knowing John Belushi, who was the sweetest guy mm. in the world, working oh, wow. with him. Wow! So that was a joy. War Games was great. War Games—I'll tell you a story. We changed American history with War Games. The movie I did, War Games—I worked one day, but it changed the course of American history. Okay, War Games about. T- Tapping into computers. Did you guys see War Games? I have, I not. have not, but I know okay. of it. See War Games, it's a good film. But you can see my scene on YouTube, by the way. Just put Eddie Deason in War Games, but they'll show my scene. I only did one scene. But anyway, we did the scene that's about tapping into computers. Computers in those days are like as big as a room, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was the first, in that movie, I became the first computer nerd. They, a, a lady put a headline paper, go, Eddie Deason's created this new character, the computer nerd. And that was the first one. Anyway, Ronald Reagan, the president of days, screened War Games in the White House. And he got scared. He goes, oh "My God, the Russians can can see the us. They can tap into our security system." So, because he saw war games, Ronald Reagan changed the security system of the United States. Because wow. he saw war games, wow. he went to the, head of the U.S. security and had it changed. Whatever the code or whatever, he had it changed. It's more tough to get into. But that's, that's, it. that's incredible that true story. True story. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah, wow. Yeah.
0: That's that's amazing. All right. Yeah. Um, uh, Any routines or superstitions before filming?
4: Um, let me see superstitions. Uh, um. That's a great question. Huh? I always, uh, no, I used, no, I'm trying to say, I want to give you an honest answer. Not really. I like to try to get to know everybody. I, I have a rule. I'd like to try to meet all the cast crew. call them by their, I know realize this rule about life, call people by their names. This is what I realized. I realized when I was early on the set, when you say hi people, it's okay. But when you say hi with their name, it makes all the difference in the world. So this is a rule about life. You go hi, you go hi. I go, hi, to you hi. But if I go, hi, Chris, Hi Scott. Hi Sarah. Mm-hmm. It means a hundred percent more. That it's kind of like a Dale Carnegie rule. But I realized that on the movie sets, I would go in and I'd love the people, and I go hi, good morning. But if I go good morning, Bill, good morning, Mary, they they'll brighten up. So a rule in life is use people's names. So I always try to use that on the set. Uh,
0: I and I, I noticed be- that about you. I've talked to you on the phone yeah. a couple times, yeah. and I've noticed about you. You're always hi Scott. Hi Scott. Yeah. And yeah. So, and yeah, I, yeah I like you're absolutely yeah. right.
4: Yeah, the people I love, and, and, and you know, most people are good. I've worked with a few dicks over the years, you know, but very few. Most <laughs> people are very nice. The big stars I've met, unequivocally, all the big stars are nice. The only ones you have trouble with are the the losers. You know, the the small timers. I've worked with a few of them. like right. But you just go. The the privilege we have is, in other words, a movie or a TV show or a voiceover. If you work with a dick. You're, it's only a week or a day. You're gone. You feel sorry for these people that have a regular job and they have a dick boss, you know, or, or a jerk, you know. They have to work and they're stuck with this guy for you know years or whatever of their life. But in movies and showbiz, everything's pretty much transitory. Unless you're doing a regular TV series, but everything's pretty transitory. You do a movie and you finish it and you never see him again.
3: Now, Eddie, first of all, I just want to compliment you on your Dale, Dale Carnegie reference. One of my favorite books of all time, uh, How to Win yeah. Friends and Influence People. One of the okay. best books. Okay. Well, of you're, all time. you're a
4: very nice guy. You, you probably apply that. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Uh,
0: last rapid fire. Uh, closest sure. friend in film, film or TV.
4: Tom was a close friend, and all. we we finished Polar Trust. I worked with him for ten weeks. Remember, so we became pretty tight, and I got to talk to him every day. We finished the movie. Okay, the last day, he goes, Eddie. I hear you're a baseball fan. Yeah, he goes. Do you want to come to do a Dodger game with me? So he took me to three Dodger games, Tom Hanks. Anyway, I got to tell you this quick story. I I used to have a friend named Tommy. He was my best friend. Tommy was my best pal. He wasn't an actor, but he sadly had Lou Gehrig's disease, ametropic lateral sclerosis. His body, I don't know if you know Lou Gehrig, but his body was slowly, his motor controls were fading and his body became worse. And he, you know, it's it's a fatal disease. It shuts down your motor controls and you die. Tommy knew he was going to eventually suffocate and die that way. So he has to live with that. He was this real good-looking guy, and he had a sports car, and then he realized he had Lou Gehrig's, and he, you know, he couldn't walk. I, I, make, I got used to catching him. We, wow. When he started to walk, he couldn't walk, and we'd walk down the street, and I got used to He would fall, and I'd catch him. He was a big guy, and I knew when to get and I'd catch him, and he couldn't talk. When he first started talking, he, he noticed he was spitting my food. Go, hey, Eddie, don't, he, I go, why do you spit like that? And I realized he didn't do it. He just couldn't control it. And he would spit. So he was ruining my food, you know. So I want to eat up, put a cloth in front of him, you know. Okay, don't, but but he, the poor guy couldn't help it. Anyway, Tom said you can bring a friend to the game. Tom Hanks said that. So I go, okay, I'm going to bring my friend Tommy. And then I brought Tommy there. And Tommy, you know, he he would drive because I can't drive. So he would drive. And sometimes he's drifting over into the other lane. Tommy, move over because I can see <laughs> You know, he wouldn't stop for a red light. It's a miracle we didn't get killed, but he would drive us. So he drove us to that game. Anyway, we're there and Tommy like stumbles in, you know, he like he couldn't. I'm not trying to ridicule him, but he he couldn't control his body. He looked, you know, physically challenged. So we go up with Tom Hanks and I go, oh, my God, did, was this wrong? This going to be a train wreck. Introducing this guy to Tom Hanks. So we get in and we go to Tom's box seat. And I sit Tommy down. Tom Hanks comes around and sits by him. So I'm like, cover my eyes. Oh my god, Tom can't even understand what the guy's saying. You know, hey, Mister Hanks, how oh, you know, you can't, you couldn't even understand. What the guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to be gross. So I turned away. Then I turn back. I notice Tommy's talking, and Tom Hanks is earnestly listening, nodding his head. You know, he, this is the kind of men she is. So Tommy's telling him things, you know, Mr. Hank, you know, you couldn't. and Tom's listening and asking him questions. And then Tom takes a baseball out and signed this one and gave it to Tommy. Tommy treasured that ball for the rest of his life. He held it. And then after he died, Aww. he left it to me. But that oh, was wow. the most beautiful moment. And Hank's was, so a, you know, Yeah, Hanks was a joker. He goes, Who drove you guys? (laughs) And (laughs) and all through the game, he go we go like fourth inning. He goes, Hey, who drove you guys? And then when we left, Tom goes, Who drove you guys? But I I go, it's sort of like Tommy drove us, Tommy would somehow be able to manipulate and drive a car without us being killed. So he drove us and that was the that was a beautiful moment.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah um eddie i i appreciate so much your transparency in this interview uh you're open but you are a great storyteller some of the comments in twit on twitch right now are if if eddie deason read the phone book i would listen to the entire (laughs) thing thank you everybody's very kind thank you've you been a big hit we would love to have you back on as we get closer to christmas time uh to talk more polar Express.
4: It'll so be my pleasure. I have so many Polar Express stories. I have great stories about Tom Hanks. Yeah, but it's been such a pleasure. Chris, Scott, and Sarah, you are three of the nicest people. I I love all three. I hope we're lifelong friends. And it was my pleasure being on your show. Thank you, Eddie. Absolutely. I wish you continued success.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Eddie Deason, thank you so much. It's been been (laughs) amazing having you on.
3: One last comment, Eddie. Yes. Uh, I, when I was little, I, I went to sleep with a big bird stuffed animal every day, oh. every night. So thank you for being his temporary foster brother, uh, Donnie. Okay. Dana.
4: My pleasure. Okay. <laughs> I just can't believe how
3: many voices you were a part of. my. You were a big part of my childhood. It, it oh, well, thank you so mind. much. Thank you, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank okay. you.
4: Have a great summer, everybody. Annie, you thank too, Eddie. You, so much. you okay. too. We okay. appreciate you. Bye. Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: That was so cool. Yeah. I when I the first time I talked to him on the phone, I was like, this guy's gonna be gold and and we we don't even know. We don't even know how good it's gonna be.
3: That was I I had no idea he would like man, dude. I'm telling you, me and my sister used to watch Dexter's Laboratory all the time. I know that guy. Like Sarah, you know Mandrake. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. The the
3: laugh. Holy shit. He moved
1: his head and I saw fairly odd parents. So I'm down here like. Google oh was Oh uh, my god! Uh,
3: unbelievable! Fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody watching, so happy you were here for this, and I hope you enjoyed that because that was incredible. What yeah. a, I, we need, I, I, we need to have him on ten more times by the end of the year, and that will. <laughs> I was be gonna enough.
1: say, does he have a book? He needs to write a book, right?
0: I know, or have his own <laughs> podcast. He could just it's, talk uh, for yeah. ten yeah. minutes, you know, like it, like the Bible. If he wrote a book, ten, yeah, yeah, ten. Well, an hour, yeah. <laughs> he
3: was great he was so nice and genuine and real I, I'm, I'm getting texts from from ryan and i'm asking them as soon as he sends them because i knew he'd answer it yeah he's like yeah. dude apparently he's a scientologist like oh i gotta ask him about scientology were you expecting that at all scott the scientology question um he
0: had said something and i was like huh <laughs> i think he was uh you know pra- excuse me practicing Scientologist, especially yeah. when he said i don't believe in In uh, in 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 medicine and all that, and that
3: was super interesting when he started talking about it a little bit. Gave it a little bit more of humanization. I feel like, yeah,
0: it did, it did, it did. Yeah, Uh, thank you so much for listening to that interview. You're listening to the Friends Podcast. We'll be right back.
4: Want to join a cult well this
1: might be your lucky day for just two dollars a month and a simple blood oath you can join our clubhouse and become a friend with benefits in addition to the amazing feeling of donating to the poor you will have access to patreon exclusive content live shows and maybe even a behind the scenes look at my secret step to get started head on over to no new friends podcast.com and hit join our clubhouse can't wait to see you at the initiation ceremony Oh, and in the chat during our live shows, of course.
0: Welcome back to the No New Friends podcast after dark. I uh i hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as as we did um after re-listening to it guys uh, highlights for you
1: i already gave you (laughs) my highlight i got to re-listen to it
0: yeah when when we asked him that question um you know any smelly actors and and the thing is i knew he had made out with tanya harding but i didn't know how to just bring it up and honestly in in the heat of the interview i forgot and i was so glad that he brought that up because like We expect funny answers. We had no idea that he was going to just drop that. And uh, just so funny. So last thoughts before we end this episode, you guys are are hosting again next week. So I'm super excited about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be on. I have no
0: further thoughts, your honor.
1: Wow, you just went all (laughs) blank on us, didn't you?
0: All right. Well, listen, as you go through your everyday uh, trials and tribulations, just remember, uh, you don't know what everybody's story is. Uh, Treat them with respect. Treat them with kindness. And um, it's okay to be a little gay sometimes. You're listening to the No New Friends After Dark. We'll see you next time. That was a bad attempt at a, uh, You asked us the s- same thing that you
2: asked us in the beginning and I, I went completely blank. I'm so well, sorry. like, I haven't re-listened to it yet. I can't tell you something <laughs> I already told you.
0: Well, you know, it's, it's always, you know, uh, it's always weird when you, when you, when you're recording something out of order, out of sequence and all that. And you know, uh, they you say, want me to say uh,
1: like who the smelliest actor was or something. So you can add that in. <laughs> I can do that. I mean, it's-
0: no, it's fine. It's fine.
1: You could, do you know how to merge audio? Yeah, I do. <laughs>
0: No New Friends After Dark has been brought to you by Sandpiper Vacations, sandpipervacations.com. Just check out our website, no nonewfriendspodcast.com. Become a friend with benefits. Check out our sweet merch and so much more. This has been a No New Friends Entertainment LLC production.